We are live. Awesome. We are live. And, we are and live. Zoom. And right, really? all right. And okay. Zoom is everything is recording. We are all in the red. All right. And I see we've got a nice pretty little Quite on set. Up. All right, quite on set. All right. Everybody. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the next instalment of Australian Craft Distillers Shooting the Shit. Um, and lie go away and uh, as you can tell it's live it's unrehearsed and for those who haven't um, um, seen what we're up to basically it's um, that's exactly what it is it's just shooting the shit um, it's craft distillers talking to craft distillers and uh, what's going on in their world uh, sharing stories having a few laughs on the way and we may have a few serious questions just to throw it in and see where we go so Without further ado, let's first of all introduce the team. So I can't see the team on my screen. So first We're of here. all, oh, there's one, there's one. So um, Luke, local nerd, IT support, uh, helped create this, putting this conceptually together to actually it's working. And Luke is an avid whiskey drinker, uh, a brewer, a distiller. And uh, a good mate. So you're there, Luke. I'm here. Hello. Good. Awesome. Say good day to everyone. And you have just then. Good. Okay. Then we come <laughs> to a good friend of mine, um, my right-hand man in Craftworks. Anyone on social media who follows us knows all about Todd or the Todd. He was the apprentice's apprentice. He's now the apprentice because I'm no longer the apprentice because I pulled myself out of a three-year self-imposed Apprenticeship. So, without further ado, the Todd. Yeah. There. Hey. He's Good there. Night, He's there. All right. And then we move on to the stars of the night, the guests of the night, <laughs> the celebrities of the night, and the people we're going to have some fun with and shoot the shit. And we've got Robbie and Emma from Dermot Distillery down in Tassie. How are hey you guys? guys? Hey guys. Hey, Hello. Sandra? Good. Awesome you're here. It's awesome. So, um, first thing we do is we say to everyone out there, we want you, we want you to be drinking something Australian. So, uh, sit down, you know, join in, uh, send us your questions. We'll try and answer your questions. Uh, but please, enjoy an Australian spirit. It doesn't have to be whiskey. It can be gin. It can be liqueur. It could be whatever you want. So, but we want you to do that, and we're doing exactly the same. We're drinking someone else's product. Um, so, Australian Robbie, spirit Emma, it doesn't have to be whiskey, what's in your it glass? gin, it can be liqueur. Oh, well, we've been, we've been a bit cheeky initially. We've got a couple lined up, but we yeah. thought we might just start with our own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, okay, let's, rules change. Let's go. <laughs> One sec. <laughs> well, why is it? Why am it? Why am is doing that? Uh, yeah, I'm actually drinking some of your. Your whiskey, Dermot Distillery, Botrytis Cask. I'm a huge fan of Botrytis Casks. Uh, we've had a lot of success with Botrytis Casks. Fifth release, 46%. Hope you enjoy, mate. I'm sure I will. I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. So let's kick it off. Um, first things first. So how long have you been in lockdown? You've just come out of lockdown, Tassie. How long have you been in lockdown? We've been pretty lucky, actually. We um, we were only went into lockdown um, in the first stages when there was a national lockdown. Um, 
and we haven't gone back into it since then. So we've been very lucky indeed down here. Yeah, we, yeah. we haven't been in lockdown since, I want to say well, maybe. It was Mar I think it was the end of March when they, they, they rolled out for everyone. Yeah. Hospitality <laughs> shut down and cellar doors shut down and things like that as well. And at the yeah. same time, we were, at, we were at Kempton at the time, all Kempton Distillery. Right. And, uh, or I was, I think you were, you were gone by that point. But um, yeah, everyone got stood down uh, from the staff. Uh, so that was pretty much all round that was. And then uh, we had clusters that formed um, up in the northwest. Yeah. And then once they cleared that, that was it. It was um, it was looking pretty bleak at first. Uh, but yeah. then they let people do takeaways and uh, restaurants were able to keep functioning mm -hmm. because yeah. of that. And a lot of people did really well. And what, what we found was that a lot of people wanted to you know, support Tasmania. Um, yeah. So a lot of Tazis were there um, just eating out. No, not eating out, but ordering. Uh, yeah. Ordering yeah. in every night, which was great. And a lot of businesses um, were able to stay open that way. So we didn't get too many casualties. So that was pretty positive. Mm. It's an interesting um, point you make there because it, it's the same where I am. Um, you know, the... Cellar door traffic, if we got the roller door up and we have cellar door, we're doing really well, really well right now. Um, it's like Australia Day uh, every day. Uh, it's yeah. really good crowds. And it is it is locals, uh, well, locals, there's people coming out of Sydney, it's, it's locals, it's tourists, local tourists. But there's a lot of support um, and there's a lot of people going, wow, I've, I've never seen this. Uh, I'm exploring because I can't go overseas. So I'm exploring what's in my own backyard. So yeah. I imagine, yeah, the Tassies are doing the same. So they're keeping the keeping the, the thriving distilling industry going. Is it is it is it quite buoyant there right now? Is is it? Um, how, how would you describe the last six months and, and now what's going on with the industry down in Tassie? Well, last night um, I was out. Uh, there was a TWSA. Um, an official meeting. They had a meeting at the. Yeah, so it's the spirits you, you, hang association. Hang on. You mean all going to the pub? That's, yeah. That's, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, carry on. I was there. <laughs> I'd be too shy to say this, but he was the president of that association up until recently. So. Oh really? I didn't it was know nice for him to catch up with a few people from there. To be honest, I I, I hadn't realised that it was on. I was going to another function that was there at the same <laughs> at the same time, and it just so happened that all the distill all the distilleries were there. But I think people, anyone that had uh, like a, a tourism front, you know, like a cellar door or, you know, a bottle shop or whatever, um, I think they did suffer quite a bit. Um, yeah. I know with Kempton, they've got something like 14, 15 staff all in, including management. And when they had to shut down all the kitchen and uh, cellar door, um, you know, it was it hit them pretty hard. Yeah. Um, and I think in, um, in a similar uh, job at the moment but for a brewery rather than a distillery right and, um, and just recently I'd say in the last month since borders opened up between Victoria and New South Wales in particular we've just been inundated with like interstate tourists it's been awesome mm. yeah yeah it's a it's a bit of an interesting time uh right across Australia it's it's a great opportunity for people to get out and check their own, own backyard. I've got yeah. Australian t tourism uh, visiting the shed on on Friday, so I'm awesome. looking forward to having. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm I'm looking forward to having a chat, and uh, yeah, they're they're doing a lot of promo, and uh, so awesome. yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Okay, let's um let's talk about you guys. So okay. let's start with. 
let's start. Let, let's work backwards, actually. So yeah. this in the glass I'm drinking. Yes. Which, which is very nice, very nice indeed. So this is independent bottling. Yes. Or, <clears throat> this is independent bottling. So you independent bottling, and you're building a distillery. Yes. So I yep. know exactly exactly your your yeah. road. Copy exactly. and paste. <laughs> <laughs> On the way. It's a good it's a good way to do it. Yeah, yeah um, totally. So starting with where you are with the distillery, yeah. right? How are you? Where are you at with your distillery? What are the challenges you're having? And then work back to your IB, how you gone with your IB, and work back to the start, how you started. All right, All right cool. Well, we're quite lucky because um, recently kind of things have come together quite yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so there's been a bit of planning involved in getting the like, uh, permits and DA approvals and building p- uh, permits, all that kind of stuff. Um, We've been in the scale of things when, I mean, especially as we met a lot of people through the um, the Old Kempton Distillery Distillery School and as part of that could see just how hard it can be to work with council to get those permits mm-hmm. through. Um, yeah. Really, we've been blessed. Um, the uh, Brighton Council, they want us there. They were, when we met, when I met up with them, they were, they were really excited by what we were doing and mentioned that if if this particular piece of land fell through and we weren't going to go with it, that maybe they'd have some other properties for us to take a look at. So they want us there. Nice. Makes yeah. a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then just, we bought, so we bought the property that we're on, and we uh, just, what, uh, what, two days ago? Um, oh, no, it was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, we laid the slab, so that's yeah. all down there. Um, and then I get told that the build's going up at the end of January, uh, which is wow. pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. That's quick. Um, we've got our still. We've had our still for uh, since the start of COVID, I think. Yeah. Oh, maybe even before it, was yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so that's cool. So it's all kind of fitting into place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So we can actually see that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Do you um, think that you're... So that's been awesome. Powering it, and um, we're going to try and set up our distillery off grid, um, right. which has comes with its own challenges. Yeah, I can imagine. And, uh, yeah, we uh, we've decided to go with um, with uh, gas. Yeah, direct fire the still. Yeah, uh, we're going to get solar put in for um, ancillaries, pumps, and all the rest of it. Yeah, um, yeah. and then uh, we'll be where we are is literally on the Derwent River. Um, yep. which is obviously Tazi's main river, um, but we've got no water rights to it. And so uh, there's no water um, access to the property. Yeah. So right. we're going to have to run it on the uh, tank water. Okay, yeah, yeah. So and you'll, we, you'll just t- tank her in tank water or? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, um, right. yep. So you're on the river, but you don't have access to the river. Yeah, mate. I know. It's, it's so inspiring. Because there's something in the water, or something about the water in Tassie, isn't there? Yeah, you just can't get your hands on it. Yeah. <laughs> One day we'll get it. We've been keeping an eye out yeah. for water rights and for people that maybe don't want them anymore. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. So just based on water, there's a question from Facebook saying, "Will you guys be recycling your water?" And oh. we'll be reticulating it for our condenser. Yeah, so yeah. we're going to condense mm-hmm. we'll be recirculating it there, definitely. Mm. Uh, yeah. So we're going to have three tanks, uh, two for that purpose and one for 
and portable. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which we'll we'll treat. Um, so yeah, I mean, like we want to make sure that we're reducing, you know, as much wastage as we possibly can. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as we as we kind of grow into it, um, we'll continue to look for ways how to, um, you know, make it more efficient, but also, um, you know, other uses mm-hmm. for whatever that we're we're creating. So. Yeah. And tell us, tell us about uh, everyone's interested in stills. So tell yeah. us, what's yeah. the story with your stills? So we're bringing ours in, um, which is this, this, uh, I think it's Coraline Distillery, um, it's Captain Blyze, there's a couple others as yeah. well that have all got it from them. Um, we initially got, um, it was the, the Melbourne Brew Fest, or whatever it was, it was the, um, it was a, a basically a, you know, like, Whatever you call those things, I can't remember what I'm trying to say here. The you know, like a trade show or something. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, and the fact that so many people that we knew had already got um, stills and doing equipment from them, we knew that right. the quality was there. Yeah. Uh, and um, the recommendations, you know, were pretty high. So, um, and we had a good experience with them all as well. You know, so we were able to put our input into how we wanted the still to look and yeah. perform and. Um, we love the, the line arm in particular and the still that we've selected is um really long. It's and a beautiful it's still. Happy. Yeah. It's basically encourage um a, a lighter split. Um, yep. And I'm looking forward to it because it's you know it's I can still create those yeah. lovely oily viscous. And we love um, Macallan. You know. So that's kind of. But also at the same time I can uh, I want to play a bit with peat as well. Um, right. So it'll be really good for that. So yeah, I'm really excited. Plus, it's a beautiful thing to look at. It's gorgeous. It's all copper as well. So we chose yeah. to go all copper. So um, what are you what are you working on at the moment then? So what what we um what into is what how we're making our own spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So we um when I was at Kempton Distillery, um I was essentially leasing uh, the equipment when I was there. Oh, so right. I actually did all my distillations, so nobody's actually touched any of this whiskey apart from me from um, from from right the way through. So um, uh, the only thing I didn't have a full control over was the, the brew itself um, because the, the facilities that they've got were too small to accommodate the, um, the brewing equipment. So yeah. they have it. I mean, I used to do the brewing with uh, Dean Jackson at the old Redlands estate. Yeah. Uh, but when they moved to Kempton, um, everything was, uh, or everything is, heritage listed. So it wasn't like you could just knock through the walls and, you know, create um, another space for... You know, I, I remember. Yeah, yeah you remember yeah. that? So, yeah. so the, we decided that we focus on the distillation side of things. And um, But the good thing is we, we used, um, I think we used about four different breweries all in. Um, mm-hmm. There was Captain Blyze, who was great. Um, that gave us a lot of uh, flexibility and input, um, direct input into how we were... Um, creating the, the mash built we look for uh, with the yeast as well. Um, yep. Then we went with, to get volume, we went with Moobrew at the time. Yep. Yep. Uh, they were good. I mean, they were producing, we knew that that would work anyway because uh, Spring Bay Distillery, uh, Cam and Susie, they came to Bedlands to do their distillery course and then they set up Spring Bay Distillery. And right. they mm-hmm. were actually initially buying the wash from us but doing it with us. And yep. then yep. they got the wash from Moobrew so we knew how the spirit work. was going to, yeah. what kind of type of spirit we could create um, from that. Um, mm. So, yeah, and then just as Moobrew shut down their operations to distilleries, we looked at, um, I think it was Hobart Brewing Company, 
Yeah. And then uh, now pretty much everyone's with um, Last Rites Brewery. And they're great, you know, they're very accommodating and uh, they've worked with... Knowledgeable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of different distilleries in terms of creating their own difference and how the wash... It's not just the same wash that's getting pumped out to every mm. distillery. There are a couple of distilleries that have got their own input into that. Kind of so, that so, so that's quite a quite a change, is it? That, you know, just on the on the sourcing of, of wash in Tasmania, yeah. whereas previously there was a lot they were using... The brewery would just make a wash, and the wash was yeah. the wash. Yeah. Now it's getting more tailored to the individual distilleries, and, yeah, and they've got I mean, control like, over I, their own mashes. Yeah, there's a, there's a good there's a good uh, handful I'd say who have got um, more of a control over, and they work with the brewery, and they're yeah. very accommodating, as I said. So they're bloody brilliant. So mm. that's awesome. Um, yeah, so that's that, what we'll be doing. Yeah, we, that's we're opinion is um, we probably won't have the brew initially. Yep. Um, stage. And we really want to work very closely with whoever we choose to do our wash so that we can um, be really creative. Yeah. That's something I've learned over the years. So I started with uh, wash that, that I got from a brewery called Zigzag, mm-hmm. um, which was about half an hour away from here. Mm-hmm. And I took a stout recipe, their stout recipe, um, and, we, and they were very transparent with it. We opened it up and I went, no oats, no oats. Oats have got to go, and yeah. we just took it straight down to just malted barley. Yeah. Um, and then, over a course of a very short period of time, I changed the malt supplier. Uh, they were using uh, Simpsons predominantly, yeah. and I, w- I wanted to use Voyager Craft malts uh, because I'd known them for many years and I had history with them. Uh, yeah. So I had total control of my Nashville straight away, uh, which was great. You know, yeast yeah. as well as um, as the barley. Yeah. Uh, then one day they decided, well, we don't want to do this anymore, the new owners. So it was like, okay, I've got to do this myself. I reckon in my journey, the brewing aspect and getting the brewing under control has been the, one of the hardest oh, things. Yeah. It, yeah. It, the, there's so much magic, as you know, that happens in brewing. There's so many levers you can push, and you can push them the wrong way. So, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's an absolute learning. So if you if you can partner with a brewery and, and go through that side of it, that, that's just so advantageous, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, yeah, totally, definitely. Especially when we have uh, limited water supplies, because brewing takes a fair amount of water. Oh yeah, and also like <laughs> like um, there's more distilleries that are getting um, their own setup with a brewing setup. So like McHenry, for example, McHenry Distillery yeah. in Port Arthur, um, he's got a, a great setup that he's put in. So it's pretty much a whole shed now just dedicated to his own brewing setup. Um, right. He's playing a bit with different grains and uh, malts and playing with peat as well. Um, yeah. So even looking at that, because Bill's a good mate of ours, um, you know, if he's watching, Bill, you know. Bill, Bill. I, I, Bill, was, Bill was one of the, ver- the very first people I spoke to about when I started pre-independent uh, bottling. Yeah. Uh, and he said to me, come and spend half a day with me. Uh, I'll tell you what I know. Uh, so you don't make some of the mistakes that I made. Yeah. Uh, gave, gave me some really good advice. And yeah. he's a top bloke. And he, he's, Total gentleman, uh, yeah. He's a bit of a grandfather in the industry now, isn't he, down there, I, I would say. I'd say so. He's, so- well, he's an old man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Don't feel bugger. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> no, we love him. <laughs> he tried to grow a beard, uh, a Bill Lark beard recently, actually. Oh, yeah. um, that failed, so he, cut it, he shaved it all off. So... 
think Ellie made him do that. Yeah. That's not happening anymore. <laughs> okay, Actually, so, so you're, when I said before you're independent bottling, you're yeah. really, you're more brewing, uh, you're more distillery uh, OB as opposed yeah. to IB because you've yeah. had total control. So bugger off. Jesus. <laughs> I've just opened up my shed and and something must have died in here or I don't know, but there's a lot of flies <laughs> and mosquitoes. That so, just has the flavour, doesn't it? They're all cuties, you know. <laughs> it's not a good advert, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? So, okay, so, yeah, so... Yeah, you're 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 almost in a in a different category. You're you're yeah. uh, IBOB in the middle or, or seventy yeah. percent uh, yeah. OB. So um, so go back to now. You're when you started laying yeah. barrels. How did yeah. that start? Why did that start? Um, well, I'd already been I've been involved with a few distilleries at the time. Um, we'd already moved into Old Kempton. And I'd always wanted to do it. To be honest, when I left Lark, when, when I left Lark, um, I felt that I was ready to look into doing this for myself. That was my dream. I knew what my passion in life was now. I'd found my, you know, what, what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm a bloody saver, you know. So I was just like, you know, everything I've got and everything I've not got, I want to put into creating my own um, identity in, in, in the whiskey world and, and, and give it my all. Um, and Bill helped me a lot, Bill Lack, in terms of like helped us, yeah, you know. Different um, locations and venues, and really, he was very supportive. He was great. Mm. He was great, and I'm sure a lot of people will agree on that. Yeah. He really helped a lot of people in the industry. But what happened was that we had a couple of options available to us, and that's when Bill said it's about um, coming in to manage Redlands at the time. And it was great because Emma, up to that point, hadn't been really involved in the industry so it was a great way to introduce the two of us into working together and, yeah. and doing the same thing you know and and that was, that was great yeah it was about six years ago yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah it was six years ago and uh, so that was cool and when we moved to um we were only going to give it six months actually we we, we said to uh, oh, the redlands guys like we give it six months that'll allow us to set up what we need to set up from our end but we'll give you everything that we've got and then we'll give you a, a handover period of a few months so that whoever you just get to the places, they've got the benefit of, you know, extracting all the knowledge that we can give them and uh, there's, there's a, a nice tidy handover there for them. So that yeah. worked for everybody. But in that six months, we achieved a lot, not just us two, the, the, the whole business, you know, the whole team was Dean, yeah. uh, myself and Emma, there was three, but we were actually Robbie, Emma and Dean, uh, Red, Team Redlands. <laughs> So we, um, yeah, we'd achieved a lot. Um, Dean's whiskey was amazing. And, um, that was awesome. Highlight life. Yeah, it was quite brilliant. Launching Edlin's whiskey. It was a huge night. It was um, so much fun. We had most of the Tassie industry there and um, quite a few sore heads, I think, by the end yeah. of that night. It was that, that night, we got, we got a lot of um, people that we admired and respect in the industry coming up to shake their hands and say, He's yeah. a bit daft to leave this just now, you know. And we agreed with it, you know. Yeah. We knew that they were, you know, that they were right. So creating something pretty special. Yeah. yeah. So we put everything that we had into doing what we were doing there. Um, the three of us were just, you know, gave it our all and put our own identity into it, and mm-hmm. we just treated it like it was our own business, and and it thrived basically. You know, we went through, we did, we messed some things up, we we got some things right, but ultimately it was a, a great experience for for all of us. 
Yeah, we moved to the service seven days. We we got other distilleries from over Australia going, right, so I'm experiencing this now and how did you guys do it? And you know, what do I need to do? And what's the bit you know, and it was really like, oh, bloody hell, we just flipped it, mate. I don't know. <laughs> So uh, that that actually leads into a nice question from Facebook. Uh, Paul Mills has said uh, he's keen to hear about the challenges uh, of establishing a new brand from scratch, um, and what sort of one thing you've learned throughout the process. Hang on, before before you answer that, I've just got a comment, Luke. You must have a new lighting system or microphone. I'm very red, and I'm very hot. No, you look. You're looking sick. You're looking. You're looking sexy, mate. You're looking sexy. It, it's it's a new look, uh, and you. you got the got the logo in the background, and now you're even redder. So yeah, I just good. Thought I'd... Tom, thank <laughs> you. Going years. Keep on the sound effects. Just, just... Uh, yeah. <laughs> wait, wait until you tell a bad joke. I'm on the button, mate. I'm on the button. <laughs> Now, what was the question for Robbie? So the, I can't remember. the question was um, challenges of establishing a brand from scratch. Uh, yeah. what, what was the one sort of thing that if I, I'm looking to start my own brand? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's, a, that's an interesting question. It's a big, it's a big question. Yeah. Um, I would say probably be realistic with your timelines, I think, is a major one. And um, even though we have released quite a few products through um, having worked with um, Old Kempton and previously Redlands, um, you know, we, th- we, we have a pretty good understanding of how long it takes to get your bottles and design your labels and print your labels and make sure that the logistics are all sorted. But no matter what you do, always add an extra couple of months onto that, I would say, because um, especially when you're trying to release during a global pandemic, Things are um, do get a bit delayed. <laughs> I'm sure. Let me tell you. Let me tell you a story about what what happened to us. So, um, first release, we we have a timeline. We've committed to it. We think everything's under control. We're, we've decanted yeah. the barrels. We're all happy. It's all good, good, yeah. good, right? And uh, didn't have enough storage in the shed for our glass uh, pallet of glassware. So that's okay. So it was stored at a farm not far from here. And uh, the day that we're bottling and, and Todd was down, Kathy, uh, who's my reality check manager, which is Todd's wife, um, she was... She, she was has there. a hard job just putting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, Andrea, Mrs. Crafty, she was here. So it's all good. So Andrea and I go and get the pallet, take the ute. We're all happy. Open up the pallet. And I pick up a bottle and I go, oh, sh- nice, shiny bottle. Oh, this is, this is good. Not dusty yeah. like the ones we got back at the shed. And I look at the top and it's cork. Yeah. We're, we're screwed. Oh, so we were screwed. So we yeah. were screwed. <laughs> we were screwed. So Kathy drove seven hours return journey to see Marty Pye. Marty says hi, by the way, Emma. Yeah. Um, Marty. Yeah, Woo. <laughs> To pick up and borrow some some corks just so we could bottle something. Oh, does he want them back? We haven't even talked about that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, so it was an absolute disaster. Save a glass. It was their error, but they responded magnificently. Oh, oh, that's good. Yeah, they they sent us corks. Um, TNT overnight, but TNT worked on a, we'll get it to you when we want. It was about five days later. But... 
at least, uh, yeah, we, we, we got them corked and, and it went further. So from there, just quickly, um, it was like the shrinks wouldn't work. The shrink sleeves wouldn't work because mm-hmm. the diameter of the bottle was slightly different. Yeah, and I'm there absolutely. going, oh, this is not good. This is not good. And then I was with uh, Ed from OCD. Uh, yeah. And he goes, why don't you just wax them? And I go, oh, mate, no, I oh. tried it. Oh, it's a disaster. Absolutely disaster. Yeah, the worst. I hated that. Uh, well, he showed me how to do it, and guess what? We waxed, and guess what? We're probably going to continue to wax. So, yeah. So, yeah, logistics and management of it is a nightmare. I look forward to telling that to Mrs. Crafty and the reality check manager. <laughs> <laughs> when we said we waxed, there was two people that did all the waxing. <laughs> we the ladies as well. Hmm. With yeah. our first release at Kempton, and I'll never forget, it was the day of, and we'd already – Pre, I think we had a pre-sale online or something, so we'd sold stock and people were expecting to get it. And um, we were finalising it and putting the closures on and I'd found a wine closure that was just the right colour to match to match the label. And it was actually a private bottling, so similar to oh, what we're doing now, um, Redlands had a couple of casks up their sleeves and we were, we were bottling that. It was the it was called Old Stables and it's a bit, it's a bit iconic these days. Mm. Um, and what had happened was I, because where the distillery was is about an, an hour, an hour and a half out of Hobart. And um, the, the wine closures were probably only about two mil too small for the neck of the Ooh, bottle. Yeah. So we had to warm them in our hands and then try and like gradually stretch them, but not too much so that they didn't split. And just try and because these they don't have any stretch to them unless you heat them a little bit. But if you really heat them, they shrink. They shrink. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> and we, we were doing on zero budget. Yeah, like absolutely <laughs> e-haul, mate. Like zero dollars, mate. And we, I think we had to do it for about thirty-five. But there was thirty-five bottles. I think, yeah, and our fingers were raw by the end of the day from just trying to stretch out these. <laughs> See, this is this is all, this is all about shooting the shit. This yeah. is the shit that happens yeah. that a lot of people don't understand. Yeah, right? true. And, and they like, they when like... You talk, when you were talking about waxing there, the, when, Kenton, when we decided on the bottle we were going to use, it was mm. the, the square uh, cubic uh, bottle. Yeah. It's oh, much yeah. wider and thicker neck. Yeah. So when you actually put the cork on it, when you're um, waxing it, it's, um, it's bloody hard and it cracks. And you've got to like double dip it into the wax. Mm. Oh. And then if, it, if it's too hot, then it melts the glue of the, um, uh, of the cork. We had, oh. as I said, zero budget, right? We were dealing with, I'm not joking, a, a campfire stove set <laughs> and a shitty stainless steel used a million times we pop, right? Yeah. So there was no consistent and a thermometer. <laughs> so it was like fluctuating like between lumpy, solid to like, Absolutely runny, <laughs> gooey, and like on the shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we were yeah. working in. Sometimes there was one day where it was so cold. It was minus eight for, I think, three or four days. It was so cold that the toilets froze over and our pipes froze over, and we had to carry pails of water from the river that ran along the back of the property to where we were living on site, so that yeah. we could wash our um, pots and pans. It got that cold. It was quite yeah. hard to wax, do wax when it was really, really chilly. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine having to drive to Sandy Bay just to do a poo. It was unbelievable. <laughs> 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 yeah, well, I'm, 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 I'm,
was really so, uncomfortable. <laughs> so th- these these are the people are asking, how do you establish a brand? It's uh, it's hard it's, bloody work. <laughs> it's hard yeah. bloody work. Uh, a good sense of humour. Yeah. Uh, one, one, thing, one, one thing I'd say to people is, um, yeah, uh, whatever you think it's going to cost, multiply that by three at least yeah. as yeah. a as a starting point. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, don't don't expect things just to happen. They don't. <laughs> and uh, the approach that, that we took with building a brand is we actually built a story before we had a product. Yeah. So when we opened up the doors and went, da-da, people knew what da-da was. Um, yeah. one, one, one of the, the things that I see is, is some people, they, they invest heavily on equipment, they invest heavily on everything, but they're, they're absolutely zero profile and yep. then they open the doors and they're da-da and there's no one there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and in fact, one of the um, one of the reasons that we picked Derwent Distillery, obviously because the Derwent River runs through the property that we're, we've ended up building on, but yeah. also because it has a story already. Yeah. Um, yeah. The second distillery ever in Australia. Ever built in Australia. So yeah. it was built in 18... 1823. Yeah, in South Hobart. And... Um, our first few stories on Facebook actually visited the original site. So if you go back through and you look at our Facebook page, you can see where the original Derwent Distillery was set up and we visited it um, actually when our son must have only been a couple of months old. So we were super sleep deprived. I don't even know how we did it. Um, and then we just really like to research the people that were involved in it and our dream would be to find like their recipes, or well, maybe yeah. even an empty bottle. We know, we know what they used to make. Um, like, mm. Oh, we lost you. For, we lost you for a moment there. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. just just say that again, Robbie. We just lost you for a second. In other words, you don't bloody understand my Scottish accent. No, 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 no. We're doing okay. We've got subtitles. It's all right. <laughs> um, one of the things that I was thinking about uh, about starting a brand, yeah. if I look at when. I first made the, we first made the decision to do this for ourselves. Yeah. There was only like nine distilleries in yeah. Tasmania. Yeah, true, uh, true. And in such a short space of time, there's what sixty now. And 60. You know, probably, yeah. yeah. And you, yeah. you look at just the amount of distilleries in Australia that have that have come online in the last say, let's say six six years or seven years. Yeah. Um, it's a much different place. It's a different world now. It so is. it was easy to see how you could fit in with things. And yep. collaboratively, and, and and have your own um, your own story and your, and your own path to go. But now yep. it's a case of like shit, you know. It's it's a completely different world. And not only that, um, being at Kempton where there was a brand already existing and a successful yep. one at that, but with a great story, great narrative, and 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 the rest of it, I was still going to bottle shops. And ultimately, you you know you need to sell what you're you're going to produce. Yeah. And, and 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 the bar industry and 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 you know like and, and the bottle shops, um, there's such a competition with all the different brands and choices that are available now. That mm-hmm. how do you see yourself fitting in this? What is your point of difference? Um, yeah. How are you going to stand out for the crowd? What is your story that's going to let your story stand out from so many other great and wonderful um, stories that are out there? So yeah. it's uh, yeah, so that's a big one, I think. It's a, it's a big one, and I'd also say to add to that, 
don't just go to a marketing department, spend your money uh, and buy some, something off the shelf. It's, you can't do it. People can pick authenticity straight away. Yeah. And when it's not authentic, uh, it, it just doesn't resonate with the, the people that you know, are buying our product. It's as simple as that. I mean, I, I, we took the, the, um, the brand Humanising the Art of Whiskey, yeah. which, which is all about the storytelling Right, uh, and and you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, and and with the brand, right from day one, it was very much telling the story and making it, making it accessible to people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and when people come in to sell a door, it's another level again. And when when you're standing in front of people and telling stories, it's another another um, level again. And people people connect on that, and that's the point of differentiation. And everyone finds their own points of differentiation. Yeah. Before I go any further. Nice. Robbie's um, really one of your first ever Tassie whiskey jobs was with Overeem, so that holds a very special place in our heart. Yeah. When I was there, there was only we were Overeem was uh, three people. It was Jane Overeem at the time, Jane Overeem, Um, uh, Katie Took, who's now Katie Block, uh, and myself. So we were. uh, I had no license. I didn't drive. So I was uh, hand walking all my, in my Willie's bags, <laughs> all the different bottles, to the bottle shops and bars and restaurants all over town. So <laughs> sadly, you get there was always one with a shopping bag with high quality need, premium whiskey in it. You, know? <laughs> you, you need you need to write the story. For me, Overeem holds special importance because uh, I visited it in two thousand and fourteen. Yep, and you know, I, w- I was in love with Scottish whiskey. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd gone down the rabbit hole with Brook Laddie in particular, um, mm-hmm. and it was my 50th birthday. I took some friends down uh, and our partners and did a little uh, tour around with Brett, Brett Steele. Yeah. Right? Oh, I'm going yeah. to him tonight at You're the bottom shop. Yeah. Yeah. Say, say, say good day from me, right? <laughs> um, and um, we, went, we went to we, – we did the tour, and we're driving around suburbia Hobart, and we pull up in a driveway and go, what the hell? And so we saw, you know, the original Overeem shed. And for yeah. me, that was a massive inspiration. I came away and I thought, I, I changed my concept of whiskey from big Scottish to, shit, I could actually do this in a shed. Yeah. Mm. And, and that's what started me on my journey, honestly, uh, for independent bottling. It was like, wow. and then and boom, I just went off from there. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Little did I know. That they weren't brewing on site. Ah, <laughs> they, yeah. they leave that messy stuff to someone else. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, did uh, we find out about the messy stuff? Didn't we? Oh yeah, stuff still on the ceiling. <laughs> uh, and that, that leads that leads nicely what you just said there, Todd, to my next question. And this is a deep dive into the technical aspect of things yeah. now. So. Um, the recipe of Craftworks, the main recipe of Craftworks, is built on a stout beer. Yes. Uh, with a love, a fascination of specialty malts and what flavours those specialty malts can impart in a young, bright whiskey. Because we're not making old, 12-year-old uh, yeah. Scottish whiskey. So your mash bill, you can build a really complex mash mm. bill and those young flavours, oh, sorry, those flavours will penetrate through in a, in a young whiskey. So yep. I'm super excited about that. At the two-year mark, we proved the experiment was right. It could have been a, a disaster, but it proved it right. And our first release is sort of along the lines of a, 
a Glenmorangi signet type style uh, whiskey, for want of a want of a better word, and we're very very happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of distillers experimenting with malts. Yeah. Um, a lot of them are looking at it from what's going on in America, how the American distillers industry is built on the back of the, the craft brewers industry, yeah. and in Australia you've got the Scotch fires, for a better word, and you've got the American fires and blends in between. And I see those really dynamic um, processes happening in Australia and what's happening in, in, in distillation space. So what do you think of what's happening in general across Australia and you know, people deep diving into malts and yeasts and, and fermentation periods and open-top ferments and, and lactic ferments and everything else? What's your take on all that and, and how does that fit in with your story and where you want to go in the future, do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think it's bloody amazing. I think it's it's fantastic. I think it's where we need to go. Yeah. Um, I think for the you know for a long time, Scotland's dominated the the, the whiskey market. Um, they've got long histories. They've got to go back to like you know. Um, they've certainly got a longer history than we do. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, they have a certain provenance that they like to work towards, yeah. though. So they may have. Although there probably are, and there are some distilleries in Scotland that are becoming more creative, generally yep. people expect a certain style yep. from certain distilleries. So they, yep. um, whereas I know Robbie, he worked very closely when he was the president of the TWSA in creating um, an appellation for Tasmanian whiskey. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of that, when the... Um, and I, I was actually working as the exec officer at the time, so I got to come into the meetings as well. And when when we were all catching up, a lot of the conversation revolved around making sure that we we maintained quality with the appellation, but also um, really managed to allow people to experiment. Yes. So it's finding that balance, isn't it, of making sure that we've as as um, Tasmania, not only Tasmania, but even Australia have a really fantastic reputation. So making sure that we maintain that but um, allow people to, to still experiment. It's really important not to copy and paste someone else's done successfully or, or whatever, you know. And that's yeah. what for them and that's their identity yeah. and that's great. Uh, we are such a young, uh, thriving industry that's really coming leaps and bounds. In fact, I think the growth rate we've seen is far greater. And uh, numbers wise, anyway, than, than than Scotland's had. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. There's so much potential. Uh, whiskey drinkers are changing now. You yeah. know, um, there's there's um, uh, the way that whiskey's perceived now. The way that whiskey's been drunk is mm-hmm. uh, is, is so varied and diverse that um, I think it's important that distilleries look to um, look beyond the norm and and, and the safety kind of. You know what's safe and what's what's going to work for you. Like, just push the boundaries and mm-hmm. and really, you know, if you've got a concept and an idea that you want to try, then bloody do it, mate. You know, mm-hmm. um, and like you say, you know, it was like it could have ended in disaster. But Bill Wark will tell you that some of the best stuff that he's ever made was some of the stuff that he, he thought, oh, that didn't work out what I wanted. But oh shit, it's actually bloody gorgeous. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so totally. I think it's great, mate. I think it's amazing. I think it's what we need to do and and keep doing it. You know. Yeah. Although you need to have the staple um, skews and you need to have um, products that people can go back to again and again and know what they're expecting, I think when you look at the market at the moment, the distilleries that are doing really well are the distilleries that have 
um, things that are keeping consumers engaged and yeah. um, whiskey drinkers engaged. They want to be able to uh, go and try a weird red gum mm. barrel or a um, but try cask a or a, a you know there's a, there's lots of other different styles of cask or or yeast strains and that's what um, whiskey drinkers are wanting. They obviously yeah, want yeah. their go-to whiskies on a, a daily or a, or a weekly basis, but they want that special one that they know is like rare or limited. It's a bit of a reflection of what's happening in the craft beer space. Yeah. yeah. It's very much a reflection. I'll tell you a story. Um, so th- this weekend I had uh, a friend of mine in, um, friends, and um, we were just tasting a few barrels. And uh, so Todd and I have this one barrel called the Uncertainty. Um, <laughs> It was going to be called What the Fuck, but we saved that for another barrel. <laughs> so, so, so this one's called The Uncertainty. And it's called The Uncertainty because I got a batch of um, overcarbonated stout. This is in right. the early days. And um, I distilled it and it made bugger all, bugger all um, spirit. And uh, so Todd and I talked to him, oh, Jesus, you know. And I was just sitting around the shed in a receiver, just being a pain in the ass, right? It was like, it sounded like a good idea at the time, not such a good <laughs> idea. So then I put it into a barrel, which is an ex, uh, ex-imperial stout barrel um, that I picked up from a cider that originally was a lark barrel. Cool. cool. So a bit of a story there. Nice. So, we, so, we, so we had that component. Uh, and then we had another component and we had a hot ferment and uh, Todd and I distilled it and we thought, oh, it's just got this metallic-y note, oystery note, don't like it, it's, it's not our craftworks spirit, what, what do we do with it? And then we went, poof, threw it together yeah. in the barrel, right, and so it's called the uncertainty barrel. Yeah. And we've tasted it and it's, it's interesting, but in the weekend I tasted it with, with, with my mates and it's got a real stone fruit thing going on. Nice. But it finishes with a real umami, savoury type note on it. And it's like, this is really, really interesting. And it's not, yeah. not a release. It's still in the barrel and we'll just continue to monitor it. But yeah. when, when shit like that happens, yeah, uh, that's really exciting because you learn something from it. Cool. Uh, so, Todd, we've got to do more hot ferments and we've got to make some beer. That's what we've got to do. All right. Sure it gets really <laughs> exciting when you start to think about the possibilities of yeah. what you can do. Yeah. I know that's Robbie's ex- excited. That's the exciting thing is, you know, we're small, we're agile. And, and I had this discussion uh, when I did a training session with Anne Gigney with the, the Tati Academy a few years Hi, ago. Hi, <laughs> oh, Anne. On? Hello, Anne. Hopefully. Anne. Thanks for joining. Hi, Anne. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> and uh, the presenter um, it was from Scotland. I can't remember. Alan. Alan was his name. That's right. Oh, we did the very first one, the very first one that Anne put together. Nice. And um, we, we were talking about the Scottish industry and that, and we were talking about Australia. And it was like Australia, the Scottish were like oil tankers. They take a lot to slow mm. down and change direction. We're like speedboats. Yeah. You know, yeah. We're all over the place. We can do different <laughs> things. And that's the exciting thing about the Australian space you know yeah, the, yeah. the craft industry and, and everyone's doing their well not everyone but a lot of people doing their thing and taking it different directions yeah. and so yeah. the whole collaborative nature of the industry personally i think is fundamental to Absolutely. our overall su- success Absolutely. Um, 
you know, if it goes into a cutthroat, you know, we're trying to rip each other down, it's, it's not going to be good for anyone. It doesn't need yeah. to go that way. We're, if collaborative, we grow. Do you think that's, that's what we've always found? Yeah. Um, I mean, we catch up with people like Cam and Susie and yeah. Um, yeah, Damien Mackey and lots of different um, distillers down here. And everyone's just so willing to share their knowledge and, you know, help out when they can. Obviously, yep. Bill McHenry, bless that man, he's amazing to us. So, um, yeah, there's just a lot of people that really, really help. Do you think that the the change of whiskey drinkers wanting to experiment with different mm-hmm. things, like you said mm-hmm. uh, earlier, different barrel types, different yeast types, that sort of thing, will that, do you think, lead uh, distillers like yourselves to uh, go for smaller bottle sizes? I mean, as a, as a consumer, for myself, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost a risk to buy a large 500... 750 mil bottle or 700 mil bottle but it's quite accessible to buy a smaller bottle do you think the industry will move that way good question um, i i think that it comes down to whether the the whiskey drinker is is buying as a collector yeah. or or buying as um to consume there's two different and sometimes mm. they'll buy both they'll get two and one to collect and one to consume i've got some that i'll drink and other bottles that i'll save but certainly there are things that i want to drink i want to see what the distiller was trying to do and not just imagine it yeah i'm i'm always um of the opinion that they should be opened up (laughs) (laughs) i think it's important i think the way that the world's going now is the world's a much smaller place uh, whiskey drinkers are much more informed, educated, know what they want, um, and the accessibility between consumers and the producers is yeah. it's, it's phenomenal what we've got here. And that's actually one of the main reasons why I didn't just get involved in the industry. I moved here in the first place. I was not for moving to Tassie whatsoever until I realised that there was this burgeoning industry that was that was done so well and, and the quality of what I was drinking was just phenomenal. And the fact that I could sit down in a room with essentially the founders of that state and of those distilleries, I thought, my yeah, God, yeah. this is like shit. This is like light bulb moment. Why have I never thought this? This is like I'm moving here. This is it, you know. History so in the making. When 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 you look at fast forward it to you know like um, when you were saying like about um, um, listening to the consumer and going, would you do it in smaller bottles? Um, like, I think maybe like for special releases or, you know, like the uncertainty or, you know, something like that, you know, we can go, well, okay, there seems to be a, 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 an interest here from, you know, this section of, you know, the consumers that are, you know, this uh, group, whatever, that, that want to try this. Um, why not? Do you know what I mean? Um, I think doing it as a, rolling out as a full-on business plan could be a bit risky, maybe, yeah. especially for smaller distilleries. Yeah. Um, even just getting bottles isn't that easy. I mean, look, I'm I'm not trying to advertise here, right? But like for example, this is our bottle, right? Um, up until uh, the last few years, I'd say everyone was doing a 700 ml bottle. Lark was yeah. doing 700s, 500s, 200s, and 100s. They were like unique in that way. They, they had, them and Helios had the whole range of sizes, right? But yeah. concentrating mainly on 700s because um, that's what the consumer wanted. They still do. But at the same time, there's still, there's an ability there to go 500, reduce the price point, 
So it allows more people to try a product. Um, they can afford to buy that in someone else's as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, we, we were looking at doing smaller bottles because 200 mils, for example, was a good balance uh, when I was at LAPK. It worked in markets. Lots of people liked it because they could get them for presents, but also get them for themselves. So they could yeah, get a yeah. real good idea of what mm. the, that drink, that whiskey that they were drinking. But at the same yeah. time, um, it's a great present. Nobody's going to feel that they were they were robbed getting two hundred mils of a good quality whiskey. You know, mm. oh, God, weigh it up. You know, yeah. I'll tell you what, one thing that we do at Craftworks. So we have a three seventy five mil bottle. Yeah. Oh, Nice. 40, 47.5%, $95. Beautiful. And that's our, that, that's our entry. That, it's called the Capity. We're in Capity. It's called the Capity. It's our tourist bottle. Yeah. Um, never, ever, ever get a push, push back on it, ever. No. Uh, it's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. And we've, we've now rolled it into gin. We've got 375 mil gin yeah. for $48. Yeah. So it's uh, the brother sister combination. So so it works well. And you know, you hear people um, on on social media say Australian whiskey is very expensive. Um, and then you say you hear people say, uh, why don't they bottle in seven hundred and fifty mils or seven hundred mils? It, yeah. It's you know, mm. what what people un- need to understand. And and I think we as craft distillers we we do explain it correctly. In my opinion, that. We're, we're not we're not distilleries that are making at least a million liters a year. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean Craftworks this year. I think if we hit two thousand five hundred liters, we we've hit our target for the for the year, right? Yeah. So we don't we don't have those economies of scales. We're not bringing in tankers of 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 of, of, of grain, a pellets of grain, or no, no, bulker bags of grain, all that sort of thing. And so you can't. You got you got to be authentic in your story. You got to yeah. you got to show what you do and how you do it, and say, "This is what it costs, right?" Yeah. And and this is our lives. This is our business. You know, we've got families to feed and everything else. So, yeah. you know, if you buy, fantastic. If you don't, that's fine. Don't yeah. don't. It's no just problem. not for them. It's just not for them. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, no I totally uh, agree. And that economy of scale is not just based on the cost of spirit, but but every part of the process, you know, um, packaging, it adds up so much when you're doing small scale. Mm, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Everything's a multiplier. Yeah, yeah, you know, you're looking at dollars rather than cents. And when you're looking at that over hundreds of bottles, you can see how they can sell their whiskey at a certain price. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm on my next Tasmanian whiskey. So these samples are courtesy of the whiskey list. Thanks, Ollie. This one is the Adam Slosh cast. Nice. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I was speaking to Adam the other day and going, mate, this is sensational. This really is sensational. So, it's a uh, bloody good light. The two of them are. The two of them are. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they've got an interesting story. Um, and yeah. next year I'll be talking to them. But, um, yeah, they, they – just how, how, just how, it sort of leads to my next question about the whole whiskey community in Tasmania and how yeah. it was a very small group of people. Yeah. Uh, it was almost like the you know, a Marvel comic. You know, it was the Avengers sort of thing, and then it, it's just grown and grown and grown and grown. So, yeah. how is that community overall? Is it is it 
is it a tight community? Is is it is it factional? Is is it um, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's a good question. It's, it's a fair question. Look, when I when I when I first came over here, uh, there was eight distilleries in Tassie, yeah. and uh, then I started working at Lap. That was my very first ever job when I first came here, and right. it was behind the bar. So I was pulling, I've never pulled a pint, never even made a coffee, to be honest, right? <laughs> and there I was pulling pints for people and making coffees for all these bloody tourists to come in on the cruise ship, right? But you've got the accent, so it's fine. <laughs> Every Friday, right? The, the, the thing that really, really uh, struck me, the thing that really got me thinking, my God, I love this, was every Friday, pretty much every distillery had someone there at the uh, at the cellar door. Uh, they would all be sitting together, uh, pouring whiskies, bringing in a bottle of something that they they, they brought, you know, Tim Duckett especially, right? He'd bring a bottle of different whiskey every week and he'd pour a couple of glasses, nice big healthy glasses for the staff and go, right, yeah, yeah, guys, you enjoy that. And then he'd sit down with Bill and Lynn and he'd sit down with Pat McGuire and all the rest of them. And then they would just, big Mr. Nick as well, for him, it was him. Um, bloody legend. And and it was amazing. I just loved that. And I used to love knocking off. I used to always get the the earlier shifts so I didn't have to work the way through the night. And I'd sit (laughs) there all and just really kind of feel part of it. And I thought, where in the world would you get this? So for me, it all started on the basis of this really tight-knit, really collaborative, almost family setting. Yeah. I thought, you know what, I, I, I love being part of this. I feel that there's support and, 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 and everyone wants each person to do well, but everyone's creating something different and unique in their own right. Yep. And it's, as it's growing, it's growing on that foundation that, you know, the, the, the people will impart, those distillers will impart their knowledge, their passion, advice, um, mistakes that they've made, yeah. uh, things that have worked well for them. There's no problem with that. Yeah, they've got some things that they want to keep a hold of, keep it secret. That's that's that's, that's yeah. normal, you know. But yeah. generally, there's that sense of you know wishing people well. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it reflects on your brand. You know, you want if someone is going to start up a distillery, well, you can't help that, right? But you want that person or those people or that group or whoever it is to do well, so that that's going to continue to reflect well on your brand. Yeah. Whether it be um, you know the crafty craft works, Derwin, whether it be Tasmanian, South Australian, New, New South Wales. Uh, to Australian in general as a whole, you know, yeah. you want that those the new setups to reflect the quality, the, the the hard work and effort that's been put in in such a short space of time, but to be worldwide worldwide yeah. recognised. So that's continued, I found. Right, good. Like I, I was I was the president of the association for the best part of four years, so I've saw it growing from you know a relatively small number to sixty distilleries, wow. uh, and for the most part, I'd say yes that still continues to be the, the way. When yeah. we meet up for uh, the meetings, um, we, we push for a more social aspect. So regardless of whether maybe you'll get heated arguments, you'll get somebody thinking that we should be doing this, other people think we should be doing that. But ultimately, we all want the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, you know, we can all sit down, have a whiskey, have a pint, and everyone's great mates with each other. You know, when we come up to... ADA meetings or anything like that, you know, it's the same thing I find as well. Um, yeah. And I love that. I love that our industry's continued that collaborative process. But at yeah. the same time, I think Luke, you maybe said it earlier on, um, look, it's inevitable. There will become distilleries that might get big enough or uh, go off in their own direction, which is fine. Um, yeah. I think that collaborative element will still exist. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's room for 
if someone wants to become a you know a big corporate entity that has their own agendas and whatever then that's fine that's going to happen we're, we're naive and daft to think that that's not going to happen mm. but i think that there's still a lot of room for that collaborative mentality still in australia that we yeah. can work on our own yeah yeah no i do it's it, it's our strength and it mm. um now, one of the questions that gets asked or put out there occasionally is, as Australia develops as and more and more distilleries set up, is there going to be a regional identity like there is in, you know, in, in Scotland, the Lowlands, Highlands, you know, uh, Isla and all that? My personal belief is no. I, I, I think uh, we're not regional. Uh, I, I think there's people making different styles of whiskey. Uh, in the same locations. And so I think it's going to be a diversity of, of spirits, whiskey, um, not regionalised. What, what's your take on it? Yeah, fair enough. It's a fair point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Look, I'll, 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 I'll say from a Tasmanian perspective only because obviously I've been representing yeah, yeah, yeah. down here. You're yeah, totally you've right, got a unique I mean, perspective. Mm. There's, so, there's so many aspects, there's so many um, variables in what we do. Um, from how you want your story to be perceived, uh, everything from how you, uh, the malts that you're using, the, um, the the styles that you're creating, the final product is there's so much variables there that you know there's it's hard to pinpoint a specific region will yeah. produce a specific style of spirit. Yeah. I don't think that exists here. Yeah. I think that's you trying to use a, a, a template that's been used elsewhere that doesn't comply here. Yep. Um, I think maybe even states. If you look at like the the, more, the recent um, um, South Australian push for tourism, yep. um, you know, there's that. There's there's a market there for South Australia having their own thing, mm-hmm. Tasmania having their own thing. It's not a competition. It's mm-hmm. just that you know it might be seen as you know, oh wow, we're going to come to New South Wales. Um, you know, we've got craft works, we've got all these other distilleries. We've got you know, we talked with Manly earlier on. You know, yep. Yep. Um, that are all producing phenomenal spirits. All very different and appealing to a whole range of different people. Yeah. Um, you're getting that in each state that you go to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, if anything, there's your yeah. your region there. You know, so yeah. yeah. So what is what is Derwent whiskey? What makes no, you what makes you different? Uh, look, I suppose it's just that it's 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 an evolution. It's like a, it's coming from my passion and Emma's passion, uh, having come in an industry new, you know, green, uh, but full of passion, full of excitement, full of love for what, what we've seen, uh, learning from, you know, everyone that was there before and continuing to learn, uh, but realising, you know, identifying how we want to fit in it. We're a family story. We're a small distillery. Uh, we're producing something that we love. Uh, we're listening to our audience. We're looking yeah. to... So, so we know we know Crafty's got his, um, he mm. he he's very chocolatey. He's very mm. yeah. um, heavy, uh, very strong flavors. What can we expect from a Derwent? Um, I think with uh, I was talking to Matt Bailey about this actually. Um, with the Tazzy industry, I think most of our whiskies down here. We pride ourselves on this rich, viscous, oily, um, old, fruity characters that come from mm. whiskies, right? Malt-driven. Um, 
Absolutely yeah. malt driven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that's it, it's, it's all malt. It's pretty much every one of us is just all, it's malt whiskey. Yeah. I want to keep doing that. That's my passion. It's my yep. main drive. Um, unfortunately for us, we've not had the ability to um, experiment with different malts or different uh, mash bills. Uh, we're limited to how far each the breweries can 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 take that for us. Mm. Yep. Um, the plan for Devon is over a couple, few, three stages, basically, is to have our own setup where we can make our own mistakes and and and, uh, and, and experiment with from the from the from the, the mass side of things. Yeah. Um, I want to continue doing malt whiskies. Um, I'm looking at um, right now. I'm looking at um, different barrel types and creating my own um, core lines right. based on those barrel types. Yeah. Uh, and then from that, I'll play a bit with with mash bills yeah. after uh, and yeast as well. And will that yeah. include peated expressions or? Yeah. P- did you say what was that last? Uh, peated. Yeah. Will that include said. peated? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Probably um, seasonal. You know, so I'll do because I've only got the one still to start with because a small distillery. It'll be I'll be able to distill five hundred liters at a time, basically, in the still. Right. Um, so I'm looking at. Um, to make the full use of um, the equipment I've got with the, the, the peat malt, I'll probably do like a, a seasonal. So it'll be just peated, like kind of like check, you know, like where, where it's like a sentence of the year, it's, it's the peated whiskey. And then for the, the, the bulk of the year, it'll be non-peated. So that way I'm not constantly chopping and changing between. So you're not going to get peat coming through mm. certain yeah. lines. Yeah. And will, and will that be... Like is that like a quintessential Scottish peat, or are you looking? Is there a, a Tasmanian peat? Here's the thing, right? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think we're limited to the fact that if you want to use Tasmanian peat, you need to have the license to um, mine that peat. Right. Um, so Lark uh, uh, Overeem, um, who are using the the, the peat bog at Brown Marsh Bog, that's right. pretty much just off the geographical centre of Tasmania. And if you stand on the peat bog, I love it. It's one of my favourite places in the world. It's so serene. It's amazing, right? Um, how's the serene? It's phenomenal, right? <laughs> and literally, you can stand in the one spot, do a 360, and you're surrounded by hills. So there's like it's like you're caught in this wee um, uh, the land at time forgot kind of thing, you know? So there's yeah, no right. coastal influence coming in. There's nothing. It's just a, it's, it's sphagnum, uh, grass, it's sphagnum moss and button grass that are the main vegetation that's that's formed that peat. It, mm. it gives you a richness, a sweetness. It's lovely, but it's not that Scottish mm. peat. You know, it's not got that iodine salty, fishy, briny characters. I'd love to use Tazzy peat, but I would like to use coastal Tazzy peat. It's just getting the ability to get access to that peat. Is it a fair comment to say with Tazzy peat compared to Scottish peat, um, in a young whiskey you'll retain that smokiness. But in yeah. an older whiskey, Tassie peat tends to die off compared to a, a Scottish peat. So if you're trying to build a big, buffy Australian peated whiskey, mm-hmm. you tend, tend to use a Scottish peat. Now, that, I don't do it myself, but talking to other distillers, there's a lot using Scottish peat, and I think it, that's the reason. Yeah, I'd say yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'd say so. Yeah. Um, okay, come, come, to, come to your barrel um, program, because I'm – I'm always fascinated by the discussion about the barrel influence. Yeah. Um, you know, at one end of the spectrum, you've got uh, 70% of your flavour yeah. comes from, from the barrel. Uh, the other school of thought is 
Well, if you're using uh, heavily shaved casks, uh, recharge casks, um, and, and second fill, third fill, no, not really. Yeah. Um, and I'm personally, I'm leaning more and more towards almost a 50-50, 60-40 split. Yeah. Uh, really, really want the spirit to, to speak. Right. I agree with that. That's where yeah. I come from, 100%. Um, yeah. So Taz Cask Company or Master Cask, Yep. Um, so they've got, um, you know, but you know they've got like SA Cooperage um, and and Taz Gas Company down here in Tasmania. Uh, yep. So Darren, that is um, whenever he comes to Tasmania, I'll pick his brain. That guy's got twenty five, thirty years in the industry between wine and, and spirits. Um, so yep. he's been focused on on wood. So I'll pick his brain on saying, right, well, what's your thoughts on this? What's your thoughts on that? He would do the same when he when he first came here when you know he was. Um, getting to know everyone in the spirits industry, yep. and I uh, I see that you know has to I, I I see it as that yes we see how the barrel gives it seventy percent in the flavour. Well, if that's the case, what's the point? It doesn't matter how you make a spirit. Do you know what I mean? If it's given seventy percent in flavour, I don't. It's, it's that's it should be the fact that it creates it, it influences seventy percent of the character. Yeah. So it, it's 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 essentially the hero is the spirit that you're creating. Yeah, the barrel's taken from and, yeah. and and influencing it with you know what's the wood itself, the tannins, the oak, the the the, the, the previous occupant. Same yeah. time, it's taking it in volatility, so it's it's essentially molding that spirit. The spirit should be the one that the constant throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the, the when I first was doing this, it was all about first fill barrels, big, bold, fruity, juicy, sweet flavors. Um, Whereas I, I want to look at the science of it and go, well, no. Um, uh, I'll give an example. Sorry, I'm talking on a wish. Um, You're shooting the shit, my friend. Yeah, shooting the shit. Yeah, yeah. For <laughs> um, Darren and I used to drink like, in our jammies, right, till four in the morning, just shooting the shit. Literally, yeah. right, that was what we did. Yeah. And um, at the time, everybody was using um, big, sweet, bold sherry casks. You were getting big sherry bombs. That was the result, right? And I loved yeah. that, and everyone loved that. But we were talking about how um, not everyone was shying away from dry sherry casks. Um, now I'm assuming that Darren just had a pile of dry sherry casks that he couldn't fucking shift, right? So he was trying, <laughs> he was trying to get me encouraged on it, bloody bad for him, right? But I really saw the logic, and I thought, well, why not create a spirit complements that or contrast that so that you're creating something similar or something that your customer expects but give it a different twist so that it's, it's the spirit that's creating the length or as a, you know like a sherry a sherry cast to me is like big bold punchy spicy fruity uh, flavours uh, kind of dries off and finishes shorter than say like a pork cask right yeah. um, so why not use create a spirit that is going to give you length and viscosity and flavour and sweetness it's mm-hmm. going to counter that counter the the, the, the drier the aspects of the sherry, so that you're actually getting not seventy percent sherry flavour. It's the yep. spirit that's actually giving you most of the the, the final character. You know, yeah. so that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. My pericasts are actually dry sherry casks. Um, right, yeah. So my second release that I did was a single cask um, right. from my first run, um, and that one. Um, so Mersey, Alex Mears from um, uh, Dark Valley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. We entered our whiskies into the, what was it, the Independent Bottlers Challenge. 
again, not advertising, not, not, not doing that, right? Just the fact that, you know, um, a non-Scotch category, um, here's a, a first attempt, essentially, you know? Um, here's a here's my take on how a spirit should work with a dry sherry cask to create what I think I would like to see in a sherry cask. Um, and to get the silver for that category was, you know, it shows that I've, you know, there's well, something that, in that. There's yeah. something in that at least, you know what I mean? Silver's <laughs> first loser. So let's it's just that. put it out there also that <laughs> Alex did win gold. He won gold. So fair play, We won silver two years ago. For oh, that, nice nice. Nice. for that baby. Of course, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah, good man. Good, good. So, uh, yeah, that was that was cool. I got a I got a phone call from um, who was it? It might have been Dan Woolley, actually. Oh yeah. No, it was a text, and it was like five in the morning. It was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Another legend of the industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Jesus is. is Look what he's doing right now. He's doing well, isn't he? Yeah. 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 so good on him. I mean, he's really aced it. He really has. So he's definitely a person to keep an eye on, see what he's up to. It was funny. Today um, someone did a post, uh, Michael did a post on, uh, I think it was AWAS, and he had uh, our bottle of I Am and he had a bottle of, of, um, of Highwayman and it was like, Bring it on. The challenge is the challenge. <laughs> it's a rumble. Oh, going head to head. <laughs> Don't you love it? You just love that stuff. It's, Who's going to win that one then? Uh, I don't know. I'll let Michael decide that. <laughs> if it goes all quiet, he's watching yeah. now and going, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> I'm staying out of this. <laughs> he's no fool. Yeah. How are we going for time, uh, Todd? Okay. It's, it's just about 9.20. What time do we start? I thought, oh, yeah, yeah. So we're about the hour and a half mark. Yeah, you were, you were a little late, but yeah, we're on time. No, that's, yeah. All right, that's good. Okay, um, so Robbie and Emma, overseas, there's a lot of exciting things happening. Yes. Um, I watched a, a, a webinar last night from Chris Malt, um, and it was – Three parties. It was Crisp, it was uh, Holyrood in Edinburgh Distillery, and it was, uh, I can't remember her name, and she's doing a PhD on uh, specialty malts in distilling and flavour profile. It was an incredibly deep dive. I'll send you the link because if you haven't seen it, seriously, it was was really exciting stuff. Mm. Um, And that that stuff really excites me. Stuff that's happening in America. Um, you, know, you, you look at uh, what um, Corsair's done. You look at what Westland's done. Um, um, Westwood, what they're doing with stout casks. Uh, it's, yeah. just, it's, it's just amazing. Mm. Um, but then I look at it and go, but Scottish have a lot of restrictions on how they can do things. And Americans yeah. have a lot of restrictions on how they can do things. Yeah. In Australia, we don't have those restrictions. True. Mm. We, we have the basic restrictions, but there's a lot of restrictions they have that we don't have. So mm. from an exploratory uh, standpoint, from a creativity standpoint, it, it, it's awesome. Um, so from your standpoint, where do you take your inspiration outside of Australia? What, what excites you? Right. Well, what first got me excited, yeah. if I go right back, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. was Dalmo, actually. 
And yeah, just right. literally, yeah, it was um, my mum and my stepdad, who you, you've met actually, it was the, when we were at the, um, when it was the Twas versus uh, Whiskey Adventures. And I Republic. saw a photo of that the yeah. other, other yeah. night. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah um, that was a top night. Yeah. About that all the oh, do you know what? I've got to say this right. Where he's watching right now, or where he watches it on, you know, on repeat, right? Uh, my stepdad loves you, right? Yeah. Thanks for Martin. Mate, yeah. Martin, right? He loves ma- you. Another man. Yeah. Totally loves you, right? He loves what you're doing. Loves everything you're doing. So he's like, yeah, crafty. He's man. He like every single fucking thing you put up, right? He's a good lad, so he's, But he is him and my mum. They're the two main people who got me really passionate about whiskey, taking it beyond just the whole half and a half, you know, half and half in the pub, do you know what I mean? You just yeah, whiskey sure. chaser with the, with the beer. Yeah. And when I moved to London, um, I was kind of like, I was a bit kind of lost, do you know what I mean? Like really missing home and missing, you know, yeah. a, a constant. So I latched on to like Punnock's tea cakes, Scottish whiskey and all the rest of it, right? And I was getting a present for my mate, Andrew. Um, have you ever seen Taggart? Yeah, yeah. Right, so he was Taggart's daughter's um, partner. Right, so he's yeah, that, like the yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like the, he was like the son-in-law in, of Taggart and Taggart. Right? <laughs> and so it was his birthday coming up. Fine. Yeah, oh, he's he's he's, he's he was so bad as well. He used to do play, he used to do play school and all that. He's you know he's kind of a big deal. <laughs> so it was it, basically I needed to get my bottle. I wanted to get my bottle of whiskey. That was my all. And I went to the whiskey shop in uh, Selfridges and I went and talked to the guy in there and I says, look, mate, I'm needing a, a really good whiskey for my friend. Um, talk me through it. Go. Right? And he says, right, so he was talking to me about the history of the Dalmore and the Mackenzie clan. And uh, and I thought, do you know what? I love the, the story there. I love the fact that I've never thought of putting a story behind a, a whiskey or a bottle of inanimate object of liquid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, There's something yeah. that makes me want to know more about that. Yeah. And when I actually gave him the bottle, uh, we're used to like, you know, like Johnny Walkers and, you know, for the most part, most guys, regions, that's what you just drink whatever's on the shelf and you're just knocking facts to get drunk. This yeah. was the first time that I actually sat in with different people and really appreciated what we were drinking and I thought, holy shit. Um, and then from then on, that was just, that was, I just went into the, the world of whiskey just with like yeah. open arms and just going, holy shit, just teach me everything you know, everything, yeah, good publication, nice. anyone that can talk whiskey, I want to talk to you. That's what we're talking about tonight. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah so for me, Dalmo was definitely the thing that really sparked, you know. Dalmo, yeah. Interest, cool. yeah. So it was a Dalmo 15. It was Dalmo 15. Right. Um, to the point where we were in the Winston on one of my birthdays. And there was a full bottle of uh, Dalmore 15, and everyone kept on buying me a nip of Dalmore 15. <laughs> and we finished the bottle. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but no, it's, so there's, there's that external influence. I think when 2015, when we were at Redlands, Em and I went a uh, two week trip to Scotland, or two week distillery trip to Scotland, and we right, went around right. 14 different distilleries. <sighs> and Glen Morangy. And Lagavulin were the two standout experiences that we got. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm. So we had Ian from Lagavulin, um, and we had the whole team at Glamondi who were just phenomenal. But not just them playing Goyne, uh, Ockintoshian, there was McAllen, Glenn Livick, Glenn Fiddick, all those guys, uh, um, Aberlour. Um, yeah. And, and the, the thing that really struck me was that the how supportive they all were of mm. our journey and into this 
and they were all they all knew about Tasmania and Australia. Um, I say Tasmania just because that's where I was telling them yeah, from. Yeah, yeah. In general, that there was an Australian uh, scene out there that they've taken notice of. Not seen it as you know in a negative light where it's a competition or whatever. It was they were so interested in it that when I finished my tour at Glenmorangie, um, the general manager came in and he says, "You're Robbie." And I was like, yeah. And he says, oh, you know, I'm the general manager. I went, I know. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I've, I've just knocked an hour off of my time so I can come down and have a chat with you. And oh, he wow. sat down with me for a whole hour, uh, gave me wow. his number, and he says, look, if there's anything that we can do, please let us know. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited about it, what we're doing um, in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. It's phenomenal the level of support that I, I felt that we were getting from all those distilleries. And yeah. even like to the point where some of the distillers, like Duncan from Glengoyne, got teary eyed, you know, because he's remembering back to how they used to make whiskey, you know, before it was all at the bean counters it's and the, nice, you know, yeah. and the uh, taking over it all. It's like it's, it's, we're doing something that they would be, they would love to be doing themselves, you know, where they've got yeah. more of an input, more of an impact into how the final spirit comes about, not just running a recipe sheet and pushing some buttons and the yeah. fact that most distilleries could have more people here on the floor than there is in any distillery in bloody in Scotland, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's phenomenal. So for me, I, that's fueled my passion even more is the fact that I'm doing something, I'm now starting something of my own that they wish they could be doing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that to yeah. me that really makes me really more excited, you know, and the fact that I know that there's eyes on all of us um, from all over the world, um, yeah. we've, we've 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 opened everyone up to this, and everyone's like, "Shit, Australia's really performing, yeah. and rightly so." It's exciting, mate. It's probably it's the golden era. I think we're all being part of the industry right now. It's like I'm proud of it, absolutely mm. proud of it, and totally motivated by it. Mate, you're 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 preaching to the converted. Yeah, you totally. Well, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, we've all got to get together at, at some stage. I mean, mm. Tasmania is the spiritual home of Australian whiskey, and I'll be honest. Every time I come to Tasmania, I just have a ball, I, uh, and you do feel it. You come off the plane, and you and you just feel that connection, and just catching up with people is just. It's just great, you know. It's such a such a great community, um, but yeah, it's um, yeah. Once things open up a bit, um, I'm hoping hoping next year to come down to Tassie for a for a little trip and uh, yeah. research tax man awesome, re- research. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I can't wait till mid January when I'm down there. That'll be awesome. Oh yeah, you're going down, aren't you? I am. Yes, Monster scenario. I got out? I got the hot tips. Uh, before we started, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so can't Queenstown's, wait. Queenstown's at the top of the list, I believe. Oh, Kirsty, do you do PTSD? Do you go fly fishing, mate? Me, yeah. oh, the last time I went fly fishing, um, I basically threw the rod in the river. That, oh, really? I, I didn't quite do it right. Um, really? I really enjoyed sleeping. Just in the grass, that was fun, yeah. <laughs> and drinking. But uh, yeah, fly fishing, no, no. But if you want to, we want to educate me in the finer art. I'm, oh, wait, I, is that, I is that where you're fishing? Yeah, or where... I'd be showing you how to do it wrong, right? That, that's just me. <laughs> is that oh, where you're fishing a river with your fly open, or is that something different? <laughs> yeah, you that's just pee the... out whiskey, mate, and it's like they just they flock right to it, you know? <laughs> just grab them. <laughs> 
you fly fish with Bill a bit, don't you? Or do you still do that, or you used to? Yeah, do you that? still do it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So if you're coming down, let me know. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and vice versa. When you know, if you're coming up to the mainland, yeah, getting up to Sydney, mate, we'll uh, we'll absolutely have to catch up. The problem with the road trip nowadays is um, I had uh, uh, someone who was planning a road trip in, in New South Wales and he said, okay, so I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do um, Joadja. I'm That's where I do... really want to visit. Yeah. Joadja is cool. It's, it's absolutely love their stuff. We were blown away. We bought a bottle of their, um, their Pedro matured. And um, us and our, our wonderful friends, Mickey and Sam, um, came over and we were all absolutely blown away, so much so that I reached out to the guys from Joadja and thanked them because it was such an amazing bottle of whiskey. Yeah, they're doing great stuff. And they're, they're husband and wife, Val, Val and Elisa. They're beautiful people, uh, super friendly. Um, if if you go there, they'll feed you. So be prepared. That's that's <laughs> that, that sort of just goes with the territory. But um, so this guy was doing. Um, he's part of the Blue Mountains Whiskey Club, which is a local yeah. whiskey club. And he was going. I'm going to go to Joadja. We're going to go to Riverbourne. We're going to go to Aisling. We're going to go to Corowa. We're going to get Blackgate. We're going to go to Craftworks, and we're going to do it in four days. Oof. Um, and I said, No, you won't. Yeah. And so day one. They went to Joadja. Uh, they got to Marty's Riverbourne at eleven o'clock at night. So yeah, they were they were behind the whole time. Yeah, uh, they, they had a fantastic time, and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of good places to visit, and you know, everyone's open arms, and it, it's great. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you got to you got to come up, and we'll, we'll show you some New South Wales hospitality. I've got to see what what was happening with Martin's here. Oh, mm-hmm. isn't that great? Whoa, unbelievable! It's a COVID cut of everything. What's my name? Bloody yeah, no, no, no. He 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 looks young as he looks so young. He he's he's different. He, yeah. he's, he, he's the grumpy old man. He, mm-hmm. I call him the kid. He calls himself the grumpy old man. I thought it was such a good name. I came up with a label because yeah. um, it was one of his his spirits. You know, when it, when it was independent bottling. But uh, yeah, he's got these these long flowing yeah. locks, yeah. and and he looks young and and he's feisty as ever. Oh. <laughs> he's oh, very he's feisty. Man. I remember yeah. when 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 he came he came to do the distillery school. Uh, or yeah. was it even Redlands? I can't remember. It was Redlands. It was Redlands, yeah. wasn't it? It was Redlands. Um, yeah. And we were talking about like the you know what to look for in the new make spirit. You know when you're looking for the you know the the the, the ethanol coming through, and you look for the sweetie. Um, yeah. like the, the pear drops. There was always I'd always reference it to pear drops. Yep. Um, which was like the hard boiled sweeties. And I'm not joking. You know, like um, not that long after, I got a parcel sent through, and I went, "Oh, cool! Is this Robbie Gilligan made this blah, blah, blah. And it was a whole box, like huge box full of bloody um, pear drops from Martin. I was like, "Oh, you're Because I was missing them, you know, like, from back home. He's a good lad, tell me. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a he's a top bloke. I think he's. I call him the oldest distiller in Australia. I think he is. Um, yeah. He would be, yeah. And yeah. Uh, his great pleasure is getting into his shed, turning his Pavarotti up loud and <laughs> making lots of mistakes and, and, and not turning valves off correctly and things like that. <laughs> we all do that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ever imploded a still? Uh, no, no. Touch wood. No. 
I had a horror one last week, though. I, um, I preset the still um, to about 70, 70, was it? Oh, about 70 degrees and um, turned it off, went to bed, woke up in the morning, thought, yep, yeah, cool, uh, turned the elements back on, and then I went and had breakfast, bring it yeah. up, to, up to temp. Um, and then I came in and, uh, and I thought, the spirit's hot. Why is the spirit hot? So the oh. condenser was running. Yeah. All right. But the spirit was hot. And I thought, what the hell? And the pump had switched off. Oh, so we used, we used to have the pump in the shed. And Todd, Todd can tell you this story. The pump would go. <sighs> so you couldn't have a conversation. Right. Yeah. And then after three years, I said to Todd one day, why do we have the pump in the shed? Why couldn't we have the pump outside? This was a brainwave moment. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we moved the pump outside, and, and all of a sudden, you can actually hear the trickle of spirit and, and, and the rolling boil. And you go, oh, wow, this is pleasant. This is, there's no... Yeah. Yeah. The downside, though, is if something does happen to the pump, you don't, you don't, you don't know. Yeah. And so what happened is the pump had switched off, by the time I got to it and checked the spirit, um, so it was first runnings, supposedly, and it was down at about 30%. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, what? <laughs> and it was, it was already a shit brew, thanks to Todd. Todd. Oh, <laughs> and you know, it was, it was, like, it was my first te- attempt at, at making the brew again after many months. So. That's why it's not paid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Todd's, Todd's not on the payroll. He works for whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> we're, yeah, so, we're not lucky. Otherwise, I'm just working. Yeah. So, yeah, so we all have our, our horror experiences. Um, it's all, yeah, it's all, all part of it. And yeah, you just sort of shrug your shoulders and move on to the next thing, don't you? That's, that's what that. you can do. Yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Excellent. All right, guys. So we've just hit nine forty. So, oh, all right. good. Yep. So we'll wrap it up. Um, yep. So, guys, um, send me a bottle. I'll uh, fix you up. I I actually started to order it the other day, and then I got distracted with the website and never finished it off. Um, <laughs> so that's sensational. I want a bottle, Thanks, please. Uh, that'd be that. good. Yep. No, that's good. And um, just to finish up. Um, What's coming up in your world? What, what's what's the, the foreseeable future? The foreseeable future? Well, if the build the build's coming along, so yeah. I'm just looking forward to hopefully early half of next year getting um, the build set up and still, um, you know, um, you know, creating some spirit. Hopefully, yeah. um, would be ideal. Yeah. Yeah, um, getting um, creative and experimenting. I think a lot of our um, um, IB releases that we're trying to focus on on doing a bit of more vashing mm-hmm. and having a play around with alcohol percentages as well with our upcoming releases. Yeah, nice. Yep. Yeah. bottles of whiskey. Say again? Um, of 50, 55 bottles of whiskey. Yeah, right. Um, of different shapes and sizes. So the smallest one being a bit like 23 litres and um, up to 125 litres for the bigger ones. Nice. Um, yeah, so we've got, initially it was 14 different styles of barrels. So just looking at, you know, different cuts, 
um, mash bills and 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 barrel t- barrel styles, barrel types and sizes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Realizing that botrytis, just you know, um, if, if I'm going forward with that, I wouldn't use twenty liter barrels or twenty four mm-hmm. liter barrels because botrytis is aged in um, pretty much new French oak, and the French oak just dominates it completely. So mm-hmm. with that whiskey that you've got, I took it straight out the barrel at two years and a day. Um, the French oak just completely dominated it. It wasn't coming out this nice, delicate, almost sweet character that I would have liked it to be. It was very yeah. earthy and porcini mushrooms and spices. So to get that kind of help it, you know, refine itself and, and it needed more aging, obviously I couldn't do that in another French oak barrel. So I got an, a second fill, ex, an ex-single um, uh, malt ex-bourbon barrel Right, um, right. that was 200 litres and that barrel nearly killed me like, literally nearly killed me uh, I picked up from a well-known distillery I'm strapped into the back of my ute 20 minutes later I'm turning on to one of the main roads and I fell asleep at the wheel oh. and, uh, yeah yeah and I woke up doing about 150 on the wrong side of the road again going coming back and uh, I literally was I took it off road and it was a Ford Falcon Marlin it was not designed for off road at all <laughs> and it's a heavy beast, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I hit a couple of ditches and one big one shot me up. With the and front heavy, it smashed down front into the ground and then that's it just all over the place. Yeah, smashed your back window. Yeah, yeah I wrote off the car, wrote off the car. So the yeah. barrel actually smashed right through the window. And uh, fortunately it was empty, but it's 60 kilos empty. Uh-huh. Uh, so full it would have been, what, quarter of a tonne? Um, um, so the yeah. actually has a bit of the red paint. Oh, it's got it's got the last of my car. My car's gone. My car's like gone and can't have night. And it's mm. like there's a dent, a huge dent in the barrel, and there's like all this red paint. And when I checked the integrity of the barrel, it, it stood up. It was good. So right. I thought, right, that's there's my finishing barrel for the for the vitreous cask. Um, <laughs> so that was that. But that's all that's left in my car is red paint on that bloody barrel. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to call it Marlin Spirit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a story, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, that's, that's a good one to finish up, my friends. Yeah. That that was um, that was a really good night. That was a good shooting the shit. Oh, we um, loved it, mate. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone. No, thank, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And it is our last one. Um, we do them every two weeks, and we've got enough content to go to 2022 now, which is fantastic. Um <laughs> And, um, yeah, it's the last one. So um, to everyone well, out there. Last one for 2020. Last one for 2020, oh, yes. Can I just raise a toast to everybody then? This is my favourite toast. Um, it's basically, you know, with especially COVID happening, you know, and a lot of us have been in isolation for a lot, most part of this year. There's a lot of people going through a lot of shit and hard times and, you know, done it rough. Um, yep. This is a good time. This has been a good night. You know, and we've been shooting the shit and having a really great time with each other and, I'm sure there's other people that would want to be with us, sharing that with us and enjoying that. So it's to toast people that we wish could be here and aren't. Uh, here's to us. Boys like us. Guy few Nero did. Mirza Oh, love it. Cheers. Awesome. Awesome. Slangeva. Hmm. And I, I finished with a flock shot. Awesome. <laughs> wow. I'm glad I know what that oh. is now. <laughs> it's an, there's not much left unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> alright everyone thanks again um, we'll see you in the new year 
Uh, we've got um, an American distiller lined up. Uh, we've got a number of Australian distillers. We're going to be talking to a craft maltster. We're going to be talking to a, another cooperage and uh, a few other surprises, and we'll see where we go with it. And the other thing is we've decided that um, we're going to do this uh, in pod, uh, podcast format as well because you don't necessarily have to sit there and watch us. You can just listen to us. Oh, shit. Uh, did I hit record? Oh, no, no, it's all right. It's okay. It's all, good. <laughs> it's all right. So these are typically between an hour and a half and two hours. Um, and as you know, it's just shooting the shit. It's we just chatting, so it gives you a good insight to how – we talk to each other and how we respect each other and, and uh, what everyone's doing, and it's an exciting time to be in the space that we are. So good night from Capity. Um, now I'm going to go and try and find out what caused those flies, and uh, we'll see you around, guys. Take it easy. Cheers, Cheers everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you all. Just go through the old... <laughs>